Thank you for tuning in to the Connection College podcast. We are the college ministry of Connection Church. Our desire is to connect you with others, equip you to follow Jesus, and send you out to impact the world. For more information about our ministry, you can follow us on social media or visit our website at connection.church college. Today's talk is by our college pastor, Austin Hagen. Well, welcome. I thought about doing a big old, like, who in here is a freshman and that kind of thing, but I'm going to stay away from that. I don't want to, you know, embarrass you or anything. I don't know why that's embarrassing, but I'm going to stay away from that. And I was going to say welcome to everybody. So glad that you're here. I have been um, anticipating and looking forward to this night for all summer. You know, during the summer, there was like, anybody stay around here during the summer? Okay, all right. So during the summer, we had uh, a Bible study and had a few of you come out for that, but really just been planning and looking forward to this. And as I was thinking about it, you know, we start tonight and we're really going every Wednesday night until I think our first Wednesday night off is like Thanksgiving. So we're going to be going hard for the next few weeks, which I'm pumped about. But even that thought alone, if I'm honest, uh, I get a little bit like anxious with that thought when I think about the future and what's to come for the next few months. And I honestly don't know. I don't know what's to come. And, and I'm imagining, you know, you kind of have the same thoughts as you envision the year ahead of you, as you think about what's coming down the road for you. Uh, maybe you have a little bit of anxiety or just a, a little bit of nervousness about, I don't know what's going to happen the next few months, the next year. I don't know if I'm coming back to this school next year. There's just a lot of unknown. And here's what I've learned. When I'm facing a particular season of life where there's a lot of unknown and I'm just willing to acknowledge, hey, I probably I don't have any idea what's coming up in the next few months or the next year. I mean, I'm, I'm doing my best to plan. We're doing our best to really steward what God's given us here. But there's a lot of unknowns. What I found, number one, is that that's a good thing. I think oftentimes God leads you into the unknown because he's trying to deepen your trust and your dependence in him. And so if you're sitting there tonight and you're like, man, I have no clue what's coming up this semester, which you don't, then that ought to deepen a trust and a dependence on God in you. And I'm praying that it does. But also, when I kind of face these seasons of life, not only does that happen, but also I just have to sit back and go, okay, I can't control everything. But there are some things that I can control. So what are the things that I can control? And how can I just step into those and say, okay, God, help me to control this the best that I can. Here's what I know you can control. You can control, to some extent, the effort that you are going to put into your school this year. That is something that you can control. And I think it is uh, meaningful for you at the beginning of the year right now to say, you know, before we get down the road into too much studying and exams and tests and projects, before we go there, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to make a conscious effort to control what I can control, and I can control what kind of effort I put in to my school. Or maybe you're not working, and it's, or maybe you're not in school. Maybe you're working. What else can you control? Well, you can control your pursuit of Jesus. I mean, really, we find that in Scripture. All throughout Scripture is this, hey, if, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If you seek him, you will find him. We know that to be true, and you can control how much you chase after and how much you seek Jesus. And maybe even it'd be beneficial for you right now as you begin this new kind of stage of life for you to say, you know what, right now 
I'm determining that I'm going to make a real effort to surround myself with people and environments that will point me to Jesus. I can control that. I can control that I make a real effort to surround myself with people who will point me to Jesus. They will not be perfect. Nobody in this room is. But here's what I know. When I get around the community of Jesus, I can be confident that Jesus will meet me there. And so I just want to kind of bring that to our attention tonight that right now is the time for you to make a conscious effort to say, you know what, I'm going to make this a commitment in my life. And let me just say up front, too, I love being in this town. I love working in college ministry in Statesboro. And part of the reason why is this. It is not all up to me. There are incredible ministries in this community, college ministry specifically for you. There are incredible churches in this community, not just this one. I think this one's great, but there's a lot of other churches as well. So whether it's churches, if it's campus ministries, if it's Young Life, Crew, BCM, Wesley, all the different ones, there's incredible ministries. I am not as concerned that this become your home as I am that you find a home. Okay, so let me just say that up front. If you're here tonight and you walk out of here and you're like, you know what, this really wasn't for me, that's okay. We're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. That's a weird saying, isn't it? You guys get that though, right? A cup of tea. Yeah. We're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. That's okay. If we're not, that's okay. You know what? Go find somewhere that is. It is incredibly important that you make a decision now. I'm going to surround myself with people and environments that point me to Jesus. Given that, I do want to take the next few moments that we have together before we have an ice cream social tonight. Anybody looking forward to some ice cream? Anybody dairy-free? So you're like, oh, gosh. Okay, you don't want to admit it. <laughs> um, with that said, I want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking tonight about who we are. Like, what is this group? What is this ministry? And what can you expect? But not just what can you expect, but what do I really sense that God is leading us toward in the next year that we have together? I've spent... Um, a lot of time this summer just praying and talking to some people in my life about, man, what is it that makes Connection College unique? Like I said, there's some incredible ministries in this town. But what makes us who God wants us to be? And what's the unique thing that he has created us to accomplish in the unique space that he's created us to take up here in this community? And so I want to talk a little bit about that tonight so that you kind of know who we are. First thing is this. Now, if, if you're not really into like mission and vision language and, you know, corporations and organizations and nonprofits and churches, we use that kind of stuff. It helps us just as a guideline. If you're not really into it, don't worry about it. But it helps me. So first thing is this. Our mission as a ministry is to connect, equip, and send college students. Now, if you come to our church on Sunday mornings, we have services at 9 and 11. If you come, uh, you will have heard that before because that is the mission of our church, to connect, equip, and send people. And so I would say for us, we want to do the same thing. But for you, we want to connect you first to God. We desire that each of you come into a relationship with Jesus. And so we want to connect you with him, however that happens, through the teaching of God's word, through worship, through small groups, through just relationships. That's our desire is to connect you. But also not just with God, but to connect you with each other because you need each other. Life is really hard when you don't have people around you. And so we exist to connect you with one another. 
We exist to connect. We exist to equip. We want to equip you for the work of ministry. It's partly why we do things like we have a leadership team who's a part of doing ministry. We have what we call a dream team who is anybody who wants to just serve in different capacities, whether it's on our uh, experience team, our media team, our activities team, um, prayer team. We have all these different avenues for you to plug into. And it's partly just equipping you as a saint, as a follower of Jesus to be a part of ministry. And then we want to send you out. I mean, this is, I think, what I love so much about working with college students is that each of you is probably going to go from here somewhere else. You're going to go out, and I love that because you're going out to impact the world all around you. So that's why we exist, is to connect, equip, and send. But when we talk about vision, I want to get a little bit more specific into kind of our, like, flavor, like what makes us us. And so when we talk about vision, here's the statement that I'd love for you to walk out with. If you can remember these things, great. If not, don't worry about it. You're going to keep hearing them over the course of the year. But it's this. Our vision, our goal is to be a home away from home for you. And what we mean by that is we really want to be like a family for you. We don't want to just be a service that you attend. We want to be a family that you belong to. And that's complex and that's hard. How do you get plugged in? And there's layers to that. But we hope that you walk in here and you go, man, I just... This feels like a family. We want to be a home away from home to, for college students. And here's, here's kind of the three statements I'd love for you to know. A home away from home for college students to discover that faith is a journey. Faith is a journey. Growth is possible. And Jesus is better. Can we say those together? Can you remember them? You ready? One, two, three. Faith is a journey. Growth is possible. Jesus is better. Those three things. I feel like the Lord this summer just gave me so much clarity around those three statements. In fact, I'd say it like this, that faith is a journey, but growth is possible because Jesus is better. You need to know that tonight, that faith is a journey. We understand that, but growth is possible because Jesus is better. So I want to talk to you about those three things. What do I mean exactly by faith is a journey. Well, first of all, when I talk about faith being a journey, what, what I mean is that the Christian walk is a journey. The time that you decided to follow Jesus, whenever that was, if it was when you were six years old, 12 years old, uh, last week, I'm not sure, whenever that was, from that moment until the day that you take your last breath, that is the Christian walk. And that's what I would say, that's, the, that's your faith. So faith is a journey. And here's what I mean by that. We talked about that a little bit last year, that faith is oftentimes up and down. It looks like this. A lot of times when I meet new Christians, they come to faith and they think that the rest of their life is going to be this kind of up into the right scale. Everything's just going up and to the right. Everything's just going to keep getting better. How many of you know that's not exactly true, is it? That's not exactly true. That faith oftentimes looks like a roller coaster. That it's up and down. There's seasons where it's great. There's seasons where you're, you feel like you're walking on a cloud and you're like, me and God are just best buddies here. If you call him your best buddy, I don't know. We have something to talk about. But you know what I mean? Like, like me and God are just connecting. I, I feel like I'm tackling a lot of sin in my life. I feel like I'm overcoming a lot of this stuff. And you just feel like faith is going great for you right now. But if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you've probably not just experienced that. You've probably experienced some sort of a low where it doesn't seem like that. Where sometimes it feels like, 
I don't think God hears me when I pray. Or to be honest, I don't know where my desire to pray went, but I don't even have a desire to pray anymore. I don't even know that I care about the word of God anymore. I, I don't know what happened to the passion or the fire that I once had, but I don't feel like it's there anymore. And the Christian walk oftentimes has this up and down cycle, and there's seasons of faith that seem like you're very close to God, and there's seasons where it seems like you just can't even feel him or you can't even get over the sin that is entangling you. And so it's a journey. And here's the thing, you know, I think about my own, my own walk. I became a Christian at a young age. But I think about there's been times where it seemed like that. It seemed like, man, I was praying every day. I was getting into the word and hearing from the Lord. And it just seemed like this union with him was taking place. But if I'm honest, there's been times where I was so caught up in sin in my life that I was even embarrassed to say that I was a Christian. I mean, it's been an up and down journey for me. And I'm assuming you've had a similar journey. And if you've followed Jesus for any amount of time, you probably will encounter that it's an up and down journey. As I read the Bible, I come across people who along the journey of trying to follow God encounter their own issues encounter their own kind of sinful proclivities. They encounter their own uh, 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 downfalls and, and struggles and hardships. I think about Moses. Moses actually murders a man, okay? That's pretty bad. I think about Noah, who has this remarkable kind of sign of obedience and faith in what God is going to do. And then soon afterwards, he gets really hammered drunk and does some sketchy things in a tent. In the New Testament, I think about the, the woman who commits adultery. I mean, this is a religious lady who's trying to follow the law and do all the right things, and she commits adultery. And Jesus yet shows compassion for her. I think about Peter. Peter's a disciple, loves Jesus, yet he denies him three times. Three times. Not just one, three I mean, people all throughout the scriptures seem to have this kind of roller coaster of a journey. And here's, here's why I even bring that up. The reason that is an important part of who we are as a group is those of us in the room who are Jesus followers have to remember this reality, that you have been saved. You had a moment where you came to recognition of what your sin was doing to you, and you cried out to Jesus to save you. You have been saved, but yet you are also being saved, that you are being sanctified. You are being transformed every day. It is a process, and you will one day be saved completely. One day, Jesus will come back and rescue all of his people. It is a journey. And so when you come across somebody that is wrestling with sin or doesn't quite meet your expectations of what it means to follow Jesus, remember that you're on a journey too. Like, like you're not where you should be probably. And so let's give grace to people who aren't where they should be either. 
And I just want to share my heart. Like, like, I want this to be a place where no matter what your level of maturity is, no matter what your level of spiritual maturity of following Jesus, you can come here. You can be welcomed here. You can be loved and valued here. This is not a room or a ministry for perfect people. And so I want you to hear my voice tonight, that if you're in here tonight and you're like, man, I'm not even really sure that I'm tracking with this Jesus thing. I just kind of came here because somebody invited me. That's okay. You're welcome here. You come here all you want to. You can sit and just not talk to anybody if you want to. If you're here tonight and maybe you grew up in a Christian home and already in the first two weeks of college, you're like, this is not what I was expecting. This is going to be hard to be a believer. This is hard to be a Christian. I'm probably already messed this thing up royally. Hear me tonight. You're welcome here. This isn't a room for perfect people. We're all on a journey, and faith is a journey. And I want that to be a critical part of who we are. This will not be the kind of place where we condemn people for not loving Jesus as much as we do. Instead, hear me, hear me closely, we will preach the overwhelming kindness of Jesus that leads people to repentance, that moves people close to him so that they can recognize their need for him. Hear me, sin is real, and it will destroy you. And we will not shy away from that. But grace is just as real, and it will heal you, and it will save you. And that is the good news, and we will preach that all day, that his kindness leads us to repentance. Secondly, what do I mean by growth is possible? Growth is possible. Well, it's easy for us to feel like we're stuck sometimes. Along that journey, sometimes you can feel like you're just stuck. And you throw on top of that that growth is oftentimes like you're just growing an incremental, incremental, what is that word I'm looking for? Increments, maybe that. You're growing like little by little. That's, that's more my level. You're growing little by little. It's a slow, gradual shift in your transformation into being formed in the image of Jesus. It's not always an immediate change. And so maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're not sure what growth is left for you. You feel like you've matured a lot in faith. Or maybe you're here tonight and your life is just such a disaster that you're not even sure where to start and how to begin growing, and it feels overwhelming to you. Wherever you are, here's what I know. There's always more for you. There's always more for you, and it's right there in front of you because growth isn't adding things for you to know. Growth is knowing someone more. Growth isn't just adding, like, more head knowledge. Growth is you drawing near to a person, and that person is Jesus. I love the scripture in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for him, you'll find him. Now, seeking him with all your heart might require sacrifice. You may need to commit to joining a Bible study or joining a place for you to serve or joining a church, joining something that gets you out of your comfort zone and gets you into a place where you can be transformed into the image of Jesus. But I'm telling you, growth is possible and it is available. Lastly, Jesus is better. 
Someone say he's better. Come on, someone say he's better. I like that. What do I mean by Jesus is better? What I mean is this, that there is a God-sized hole in each of your heart. And you will search for things and people to fill that God-sized hole, to bring some sort of level of satisfaction or significance or attention or affection. You will search for things to fill it. But I got news for you. Nothing will fill that God-sized shaped hole like Jesus. In fact, he's the only one that can fill it. You may find some things that bring you some temporary happiness, some temporary joy, some temporary peace, some temporary relief to your life, but they will not truly quench your thirst. Only Jesus will. And that is why he's better. He's better than a drunken rager party where you get to numb some of your depression and anxiety. He's better than a sexual encounter where you get to feel on some level that you are wanted by someone. He's better than a six-figure job right out of college that makes you feel like you're worth something. He's better than anything that you can chase after. Only he, only he can feel, fill that hole in your heart. And not only that, but he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will not turn his back on you or turn a deaf ear to you. He's the only thing in this life that is constant and dependable. I want to read a scripture to you out of Matthew chapter 13 to just kind of get ready to close up our night. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Jesus says these words. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's like a treasure buried in a field that a man finds and he reburies. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells everything he has to buy that field. Let me read it again. The kingdom of heaven, following Jesus, the Christian walk, the journey that we're talking about, it is like a treasure. Jesus is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and he reburies it. Then he goes out of joy and he sells everything that he has so that he can come back and buy that field so that he can have the treasure. That's how valuable that treasure is to him, that he would sell everything so that he can have it. Here's what I want you to hear tonight. Jesus is the treasure. He's the treasure for you. He's the treasure for me. And when we get a glimpse of who he is, what he has done, we surrender everything to him. We say yes to him. We say, here is my life, Lord. Take me and use me. And this is incredibly important that you hear this. Because we often get this twisted. I get it twisted too. He is your treasure. He is not your treasure map. And we will often make him the treasure map rather than the treasure. And what I mean by that is this, is he becomes the way that we get to do the things that we want and experience the things that we want in life. 
He becomes the way that we get to, you know, uh, peace. He becomes the way that we get to happiness. He becomes the way that we get to just some satisfaction. He becomes the way that we get the dream, you know, the marriage and the kids, and he, we get the house that we want, the car, the job that we want. He becomes this kind of like, like, a, uh, like a vending machine that just pops out good things for us. And we treat him like a treasure map that leads us to the things that we want in life. And I'm here to tell you tonight, that's not who he is. He is the ultimate treasure. We don't follow him because he leads us to those things. We follow him because in the end, we get him. It's him that our heart desires and that we seek after. And yes, sometimes he brings us these things. And when we seek him, he brings peace and joy and all this. But that's, that's the gift of the giver. We want the giver more than anything. He is our treasure. When I was, um, when I was in high school, I liked to play some card games. Anybody enjoy some card games? Okay, nobody. Um, you know, I, I typically love the little um, spades. Anybody like spades? Yeah. <laughs> This will go better if you guys talk back to me. Um, I, I dabbled with some spoons. Anybody like spoons? Um, you know, occasionally some gin rummy or uh, some go fish. That wasn't high school. That was a little, that was a little before high school. Um, what's your favorite card game? You ready to yell it out? One, two, three. Uno's a good one, dude. How did I pass up Uno. Um, when I was in high school, I got introduced to a new game. It's called Texas Hold'em. <laughs> it's a good game. And, um, you know, I started playing this, and I wouldn't say I got addicted to it, but it became my new favorite game became the thing that I wanted to play. It became the thing that my buddies, we got together and we played some, some poker together, you know. We may or may not have put money on it. I'll leave that up to your imagination. Um, but we played some poker. And then I got into college and played some more, and it was a good time. But if you know anything about Texas Hold'em, it's a really strategic game. And it's um, one of those games, you know, you're always kind of thinking about your next move and you're, you're studying everybody else and what I like about it is you can't really show in your face what you're going to do next. You know, that's why they call it a poker face, you know. But it's full of strategy. And anybody that tells you it's just blind luck has never played or, or is not good at it, at least. Um, it's full of strategy. And for those of you who never played, essentially what you're doing is, is you've got some chips here. And you're basically putting chips in based on your confidence in your hand. And so you're kind of, you know, if you're really confident, you may put five in. If you're not very confident in your hand or you're not really sure what everybody else has, you may just put one in or two in. So you're being strategic with it. And then what I love about poker too is there's a couple of like lingo words that you got to know and, and even some that are uh, nonverbal. For instance, comes to be your turn, you may do something like this. Anybody know what that means? It means check. 
which essentially means I'm not going to play. Go to the next person. I check. And that's, that's a normal move, not a big deal. But there's this other kind of lingo you need to know that I'm telling you, when someone throws out these three words, it changes everything. I mean, when someone throws out these three words, you can just feel the tension in the air. When someone says three, these three words, I mean, it is, I mean, everything gets elevated and people start sitting up straight and it's like, oh, wow, here we go. Everybody gets a little bit amped because it just got real when someone says these three words. When someone decides it gets to them and it's their move and they're ready to play, they give these three words. They say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just saying it right now. I'm all in. And you can feel it. Everybody's, whew. You get a little bit uncomfortable because the stakes just got real high. Someone just put everything that they have, slid it in the middle and said, all right, here we go. Everything I have, win or lose, I'm all in. I'm all in. Now, why would someone do that? The only reason why someone goes all in is because they believe that what is in the center of the pile is worth everything they have. Whatever is in there, you know what? I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to risk it all. Here we go. Everything I have, I'm putting it all in because I want what's in there. I'm giving it all. I'm giving it all. And here's what I want you to hear tonight. In the center of the table in front of each and every single one of you is the treasure that we have in Jesus. It's the treasure of Jesus and the invitation to each of us when we become his followers is not to sit back and just go, um, there's one, ah, two. The invitation for each of us is that we slide everything that we have into the middle and we go, I'm all in, Lord. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Every gift you've given me, every talent you've given me, every breath you've given me, everything about my life, I'm all in. And here's what I'm nervous about. Some of you are playing a game. You're just playing the game. You're calculating this Christian thing. You're calculating what it means to follow Jesus and you're just kind of playing it safe. You're like, well, Lord, you can have uh, my Wednesday nights. Lord, you can, uh, you can have my Sundays, but can't have my Friday. Lord, you, you, you can actually even have the partying and the drinking or whatever, but I'm gonna hold on to my sexuality. Can't have that, Lord. Lord, you, you, <laughs> you can have my public world and how people view me, how people see me as a follower of Jesus, but you can't have my private world. Whew. 
How many of us get caught in that trap? You can have my public world, but you can't have my private world. And I felt like the invitation for us tonight at the very beginning of the year was for some of you to say, I'm done playing the game. I'm done playing the one chip, two chip. We'll kind of see how this plays out. We'll kind of see what he does for me. We'll kind of see what I think about this following Jesus thing. No, no, no. Done with the games. It's time for you to push every chip that you have, your life, to put it in the middle and say, Lord, I'm all yours. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, what is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them all garbage that I may gain Christ. And this comes after kind of a spill that he gives of, man, you want to talk about like pedigree? I got it. You want to talk about family background? I got it. You want to talk about knowledge? I got it. But everything that I have, I count as it lost that I may know Christ. In other words, I don't care about it all. I'm pushing it all in the middle that I may get the treasure that is Jesus. He is the treasure. I mean, maybe, maybe Jesus is onto something. Maybe he knew what he was saying when he said, if a person loses his life for my sake, he will find it. Do you know that? If you lose your life for his sake, if you go all in, that is how you will find it. In fact, the verse even says, if you save your life, you will lose it. So there is no such invitation for us tonight to just kind of save what we have and play one by one, chip by chip. The invitation for you and for me, if we're followers of him, to push everything we have into the middle and say, Lord, I'm all in. Take me, use me, fill me, take my life. What do you want to do with it? You want me to become something else? You want me to chase after something else? You want me to get some new friends because the ones I got are really not good for me? You want me to, what do you want me to do, Lord? I'm in. I'm all in. I'm not holding back chips waiting to play them later. I'm not holding back chips waiting to, you know, when I get a family and, and all that kind of stuff, then I'll get real serious. No, 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 no. Tonight, now, college is the time when you push the chips in. When? Win for you. Some of you in this room, God's called you in the full-time ministry. And you're holding back some chips, and you're like, well, I'm just not sure. I mean, maybe, maybe I could do it. Maybe I could do something else. All in. Lord, whatever you want from me, I'm all in. And so that's how I want to begin tonight. I just want to give you kind of your own moment to really just pray. Maybe you need to have a moment of surrender moment for you to say, okay, Lord, I'm at the beginning of a new year. Like I said earlier, who knows what's coming? Who knows what's down the road? But what I do know is that tonight, everything, I'm all in. And so we're going to just kind of have a moment um, up here at these tables. Guys, you can go ahead and take these off. But up here, I've got poker chips for everybody. On these poker chips, on one side, it says, all in, Jesus is better. The other side, all in, 
another scripture. It says Philippians 3, verse 8, the one we read earlier. And so what I want to do is, for those of you who um, are really taking serious the call to be all in, I want to invite you just to come up, grab a chip. Maybe it's every person in the room, and we just want to say, you know what? The beginning of the year, here's our time. Here's our time to go all in. I want to invite you, whenever we kind of sing a song, for you to come up and grab a chip, and then take a few minutes to pray. Take a few minutes at your seat. Maybe you want to take a few minutes down here at the altar, but take a few minutes and pray and say, Lord, what does it look like for me to go all in? Maybe take a few minutes and say, okay, God, here I am. Maybe that specific thing is in your mind right now, that thing that you're holding on to, the thing, the chip that you're not playing, the chip that you're holding back. Maybe tonight God's trying to get you to say, push it in the middle. I'm better. The treasure you will find in me is better than any chip that you can hold on to. So we're just going to have a moment for you to respond, and then we'll sing a song together. But I want to pray for you. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes. Spirit, would you move amongst us tonight and begin convicting us and drawing us to yourself? God, I pray that right now in this moment you would bring things to our mind that we are holding back from you. Whatever it is, if it's the bitterness that we're holding on to towards somebody, the forgiveness that we just refuse to give to somebody, our careers, our ambitions, our relationships, the thing that we're holding on to, God, I pray that you would bring it to our minds right now and that you would prick the hearts of those who you are calling to just say, I'm done. I'm done playing the game. I'm done holding on to chips and I'm going all in. Lord Jesus, you are the treasure worth losing our lives for. We lose our lives for you so that we can gain you and the life that you want to bring us. So we're just going to give you a few minutes to respond how you feel like you need to respond. If you want to come up and grab a chip, these chips are for you to take home to remind you the rest of the year of what it means to be all in. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Everybody just stand to your feet. We're going to get ready to worship, but if you feel led to come grab a chip and just use it as a, a token, a reminder of what it means to be all in, or use this as a moment to pray, pray over what God's leading you to, go ahead and come forth.